welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited you've taken time out of your day to download the podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified and you as our listeners would be edified. I would encourage you, please, to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase, if you're new to the podcast. And there you can find out more information about us. If you've been listening for a while, we have regular listeners every week. There's also a prayer request page. I would encourage you to go there and check that out. And I know that doesn't change all the time or even on a weekly basis. But those folks have asked for prayers and please. I would encourage you to pray for them. We also try very hard to answer questions that come in, uh, Bible-type questions. We are not always politically correct. We try to be very biblical in our answers. And I would encourage you to please open a Bible and follow along, because that's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer questions that came in through our webpage from listeners just like you. And so, please, please follow along in a Bible. And I would encourage you, please, to tell others uh, about us. Hit that like button and follow us so when we release our podcast each week, you'll get an alert that we have done so. Again, we're going to answer questions. And if you have a Bible, uh, please follow along. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 to start off with. Acts chapter 2 to start with. And if you don't own a Bible and you have access to the internet, you can download a Bible app on your phone. Uh, Some of them are free. Uh, Some of them are just 99 cents. Or you can go to any bookstore or uh, Walmart, whatever type store. They have Bibles there as well. And they're not that expensive for just a basic Bible to read. Now, if you want a good study Bible and you want to spend the money, I think that would be great, too. There's nothing wrong with that. And so, uh, this listener has sent in two questions. I do not know uh, their name or where they are from. Some listeners actually tell me where they're from and their name, and others do not. And so, I... I understand if you don't want me to put your name or your location across the podcast, I understand there could be reasons why. Just tell me, and I will respect that. This is really a two-part question, or two separate questions, maybe. It says, when does the Bible say that we will be in the last days? And when will Jesus come? I've heard so many different things. It has become confusing to me. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast, and I wish to thank you for your questions. I, I, I understand why you might think it is confusing. Now, at one time, I also thought it was confusing. Everybody had a different type of theology uh, idea on all of this. I, I know there's people who make a living selling books, uh, telling horror stories, scaring people. Um, will Jesus come again? Absolutely. And he will come uh, to judge the living and the dead. He uh, is God in the flesh when he walked around on this earth. And so, you know, Sunday morning, uh, these these folks 
they uh, they will tell you that we're just now entering into the last days, or they leave you with that impression that we're just entering the last days. And, you know, I'm up in years, and I've been hearing that same term or phrase for a very long time. And it, I always kind of find it interesting how I, I look at that. You know, I mean, at least 40 years that I've been listening to those type of things and those statements. When, and the thing that is interesting and becomes confusing as well is their statements or their views as times change and politics change. So their their answers. And it's the same people uh, answering the same question, trying to give the same sermon, have the same ministry name, whatever. And they're simply just trying to scare people. Uh, they're trying to get people converted in their mind. Perhaps they mean well. I don't know. I can't see into their heart. I just believe and see that they are confusing. And I lean toward they are false teachers as well. Uh, they use just enough Bible to convince people that they have a new message from God, that they have something different from God. They have all these new insights to what God is really up to. And, and those should be really warning lights that go on off. I always listen to what they have to say, but at, at the same time, I'm, I'm very cautious. The Bible really, honestly, needs to be our only authority on any given subject. But any spiritual subject, for sure. But this would also include the quote-unquote end times teaching. And you can find this phrase, actually, the words last days, clear back in the times of the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah. That was several thousand years ago. But now notice here on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, here's the apostle Peter, and he says, starting in verse 16, But this is what was spoken of, spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days. God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all of mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old man, men excuse me, shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will pour uh, forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So really, if you really study the day of Pentecost here in Acts chapter 2, Peter is really making... The point, I think he's very clear. He just bluntly says, these last days. And Peter would also write about the last days in his second epistle, in chapter 3, verse 3. And, but notice these words, last days. They can be found throughout the New Testament. Notice what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. In these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Okay, so again, understand the day of Pentecost was 2,000 years ago. 
in the book of Hebrews was written almost 2,000 years ago, uh, if not a little more. But the writers writing to people of their day and time. Peter is speaking to a crowd of people in his day and time. And he's making it clear, right along with the Hebrew writer, when they say in these last days, they're using that term to people in the first century. First century uh, people truly believed that Jesus would return in their lifetimes. So much so that many quit their jobs and they began to do this free ride off the church. All those people uh, who were still working, they were thinking, I don't, why do I need to work? Uh, I don't have to pay any of my bills. I can just kind of coast along here because Jesus will be coming back. Uh, he's going to throw Rome out. He's going to establish his kingdom on earth, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And so this idea that Jesus is going to return in your lifetime is not a new idea. I, I would be shocked to find out if there is a generation that's ever lived since the day of Pentecost who did not believe that Jesus would appear or return in their lifetime. Is it possible for him to return before this podcast is completed and released? Absolutely. We don't know when the last day would be. We don't know that moment that he will appear and take us all into judgment to heaven or to hell. And I know that's not a biblically uh, correct wording, but that's the truth of the matter. Notice here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica, we used to give you this order. If one is not willing to work, neither shall he eat. And so in other words, these folks had quit their job. They were mooching, uh, leeches, freeloading off the church, people who were actually still working, as I stated a moment ago. So, the answer to your first part of your question, or your first question, uh, would be that we are in the last days, and the church has been in the last days since the moment of its conception, and that would be on the day of Pentecost. So, the second part of your question, when will Jesus come? The Bible does not point out an exact date. It does not point out an exact time of the day. No one knows. To, to tie in with your statement, it is confusing when we listen to these people making claims that they have these new revelations from God. They know uh, that God is coming. They've been told. And I'm going to be honest about it. I have lost count the number of times I have heard people or groups lay a claim in my lifetime of those that Jesus is coming in the next two weeks. Uh, of course, those days, uh, they, they've come and gone. And here we are, we're still waiting for Jesus to come. I, I know one guy there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who 
he said that God would was going to strike him dead if he didn't get so much money. I mean, it goes on and on where these people make these statements with no biblical support at all. And really, honestly, I would just say avoid these people. When I hear people making such statements that I know they cannot biblically support, uh, I just kind of step away. I don't step away necessarily if they have a completely different view. God gives everybody the right to have their own view, to believe or not to believe. I just kind of scratch my head and try to figure out and understand uh, why they are believing and teaching something that I may or may not agree with. Have I missed something? Did I miss something in my studies? And so I start looking through the Greek uh, words. I do word studies. I do everything I can to try to figure out how they came to that conclusion. But again, in general, these people, again, they're, they're just trying to sell a book. Uh, or they're trying to get people in to send uh, money in so they don't have to work hard or they can retire at the age of 25 or some crazy thing like that. Now, bear in mind this. Jesus was asked questions along these same lines as well. And his response could really be found in Matthew chapter 24, and the parallel to that would be in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verses 31 and 32 state this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Again, the New Testament really makes it very clear. Jesus will return. And Jesus says that he will return at the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22 verse uh, 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so, really, that's a prayer uh, to uh, Jesus by the Apostle. But the Apostle is also quoting what Jesus has told him, that he is returning quickly. Now, some people want to, you know, for you and me, they're going to say quickly. Uh, quickly could be, how come he's not already come yet, type thought process. Well, we need to remember, too, God is not bound by time. Time really doesn't have any meaning to God, per se, he, he was in the future, he's been in the past, he's in the present. He is omnipresent, and so he can be anywhere, and he is everywhere. He is not bound by time. Time is something for us here on earth. And we cannot really know the exact time. God doesn't want us to know that time. He wants us as Christians to, to long for that day, to have that desire and that hunger, that thirst, uh, that drive to want to be with him for all eternity. He wants us to prepare for that day. He wants us to be patiently waiting for it. Uh, you know, an example would be uh, Christmas time. I mean, these kids, they see their Christmas present under the tree, and they're just uh, chewing at the bit. They're very excited. I'm trying to think of some terms that we could use for my audience who does not have English as their first language 
or does not understand slang. But they're just excited. They're drooling. They're just kind of like that dessert or that special meal. You just can't wait to bite into it. And that's kind of what God wants us to be for him in his return. We, he wants us to be excited about it. He wants us to be longing for it and looking for it. There will be no secret return uh, when, when he comes, as some people are teaching uh, or thinking this has already happened. Some people teach that as well. Uh, others just teach you're all just going to disappear in thin air. And so I can see why all this can become very confusing quickly to a lot of people who have not taken time to, to study or they just really believe that their pastor would never lie to them. And I'm not saying he would never lie. I didn't say he did lie. He's just repeating something that he's been taught. And I'm telling you something that is not necessarily politically correct. I understand that. Again, uh, people are not going to just disappear in thin air. We will know when Jesus has returned. Uh, the Apostle Paul would write to uh, the church again here in Thessalonica, he's going to encourage them. In chapter 4, verses uh, 14 through 16, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we will say to you uh, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, so Paul is writing about a resurrection when Christ returns. Notice this passage does not include any warning about or any reference to a great tribulation at the end of the age. I know a lot of people try to plug that in here, but that's not the context here. Paul is not warning them uh, to be mindful of their Christian responsibilities so that they can all uh, be among those who are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, to escape difficult times. In fact, the faithful are dead in their graves. Why would they need to be snatched away to escape the tribulation as it is now taught? By reading this full context, we can see that the Apostle Paul is trying very hard to remind them of a promise of a resurrection of the faithful when Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians 4 through, 4, excuse me, 16 through 17, For the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Okay? This is not a quiet time. And with the trumpets and the angels declaring Jesus' return, this is hardly a description that will be done in secret. To say only believers will hear the trumpet is way out of the context of the scripture. It doesn't say that. I, I really hope this helps you 
in your search to, uh, and try to understand the second coming. And it's easy to get turned around. It's easy to get confused, especially if you're like me. You've been listening to some of these folks talk for 40, 50 years now. Uh, this great thing happening in tribulations and secret returns and left behind. It, it just goes on and on. And it's all fiction. If you go to the Bible or a Christian bookstore, that's where you're going to find those books, is in the fiction section. Because that's what it is. It's fiction. Will Jesus return? Absolutely. Truth. You can bank on it. Many people are not ready for that. They might say they are, but... Their lifestyle would say something different. So anyway, I again, I'm glad that you, you emailed. I'm glad that you're listening. And I want to encourage you, please, to continue to listen. Uh, if you need more help, I, I certainly would do my best to try to help you. I did not get that indication that you wanted a personal uh, return or contact back uh, since you did not get me your name or where you were located. And that's fine. I, I understand. We have... Over half of our listening audience outside of the, of the United States and countries where it's not real popular to be Christian at all could be deadly. So we need to be praying for one another in the persecuted church. The next question is, was Jesus born in Nazareth? I had some young Mormon kids telling me this and asked me to have a Bible study with them. Well, Terry, thank you for your question. Thank you for listening. And uh, my first response really is, I doubt seriously they would have used the Bible to prove their statement. They would have pulled out the Book of Mormon. And, you, you know, when you study with these guys, these kids, it's really easy to trip them up. Um, they've been taught a script. Uh, they, they memorize it. They're... They seem very sincere in what they believe, and they've been raised to uh, to believe they have to go on these missions. They're encouraged uh, to do these missions, as they call them, to go door knocking. And they they uh, usually do not go to school first, and they don't marry. And so, I had family who have converted into Mormonism, and I I know some of these things. Um, at one time, girls. We're not allowed to go on missions, and now they can. And it's kind of funny how lawsuits change uh, churches. You know, if you really truly believe what you believe, and you believe it's inspired, the lawsuit wouldn't change anything. Um, you would just eat it if you had to, whatever. But that's a whole other subject. But back to your question. The Gospel of Matthew and Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, make it very, very, very clear that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. None of the remaining 25 books of the New Testament contradict the claim in Matthew and Luke that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Prophecy makes it very clear that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 
Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, who, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And there's no other historical evidences outside the Bible that Jesus was born in Nazareth. And from my understanding and asking this question myself to Mormons, why do you believe that? Why do you teach it? It usually comes, uh, well, that's what their uh, Joseph Smith had taught them uh, or had wrote down. Uh, if you look at a map today, they would say it's it's all one area there, kind of like uh, Chicago when we lived up there. Uh, you never knew that you left one uh, town and went into another. It was all Chicago to me, unless you actually saw a sign stating differently. And so unlike today, these two towns would have been much smaller. They would have been clearly separated from each other. They had not grown together unlike a modern cities have done so much today. And so this would have been a, a travel to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to Israel. Excuse me, to uh, yeah, Jerusalem inside of Israel. These places, uh, these folks had to travel to. And there was plenty of countryside for them to look at as they walked. So, or rode their horse. But uh, that is not true. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That is true. Did Jesus live in Nazareth? Yes, he 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 does live in Nazareth. When Joseph and Mary would return from Egypt after fleeing to Egypt uh, from Bethlehem uh, to save Jesus' life from the babies that were killed, Joseph decides uh, through a dream he goes to Nazareth. And that's where he settles. That's where he lives. That's where Jesus would essentially uh, grow up after leaving Egypt. So many people in our world today are born in other countries. They migrate to other countries. Uh, they might be born in different cities. And their parents found jobs or work or whatever. School, college in another town, and they move. And so that is no different than us doing that today as Joseph and Mary are relocating in Nazareth after Jesus was born in Bethlehem to fulfill all of scriptures. So, Terry, I hope that answers your question. I appreciate the, the email and that you listen. I certainly hope and pray that you will continue to listen. And to all who are our listeners on a regular basis, thank you for listening and praying for us. And know that we pray for you, our listeners, each and every day. We pray for God to allow the success of the podcast. And he has answered that prayer. And we hope that he will continue to answer this prayer. We strive very hard to, to help encourage others to, to find God who he is through the Bible to study his word, to be in prayer, find a, a group, a congregation that is teaching biblical truth, 
the entire Bible, uh, not just their favorite chapter and verse, uh, not just their favorite topic, but all of the Bible. And in a conversation I have with a fellow employee where at work, he's astonished that how many things that he has missed, hasn't been taught. He goes home and he looks it up and he reads and he comes back and says, how do you know that? How did you know that? Well, it takes many years of reading and studying and I continue to learn. I continue to study and have better understanding of who God is. This is a lifetime deal, folks. Uh, it takes commitment. It, it takes a desire to want to know who God is. I am not telling you it's easy because it's not. When you have to work other jobs, you have family and friends and different things, life throws you curveballs. And, you know, there's just struggles that we go through. And we just have to want to, to do this and and so uh, I I'm just in, pleased and, and so excited that this young man is asking questions and so I had several conversations with folks at work and I find every one of them uh, interesting uh, I find them edifying at times encouraging and it does make me wonder and think how can I help that person uh, with their spiritual life their walk with Christ. And so I certainly hope that this podcast helps you in all those areas and much, much more. And we love, we do get emails from time to time, more and more actually, but uh, where people are just saying thank you. We, we like the podcast. We're encouraged by the podcast. And so I really, really hope and pray that you too have been edified, and that Christ has been glorified. So thank you again for listening, and may God bless you, and may He have the glory.